0: Hey there, Quarantine listeners. Welcome back to episode six. Uh, My guest today is a good friend of mine, my former college roommate uh, when I was living in New York. He now lives in Taiwan, which is randomly a country that super has this whole thing right now under control. I mean, I guess it's not like random. They've done stuff to get it under control. He'll uh, share some info on that. He'll also tell us about the new movie he just made about people in quarantine during a pandemic which he came up with and shot and basically finished before all of this even began. so an incredibly prophetic film. Uh, talented filmmaker, good friend David story. Yeah, How I mean, you doing uh, right so so I mean, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna go over this in the intro that I record afterwards, but mm-hmm. David story, my former roommate, oh my God, could you imagine if we were being quarantined together?
1: Um well, I'm 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 intrigued about how quarantine Josh would be if he would be You know more- you'd actually you'd actually
0: like quarantine Josh more than non-quarantine Josh I think Like look no- notice that I have the made bed behind me I really actually only make the bed because of this show. If I didn't do this show, the bed would never be made. But part of what I like about this show is that it forces me to make my bed every morning. When I said one sec before I messaged you, it's because I noticed my bed wasn't made and was like, don't want to have that embarrassingly unmade bed behind me. But, uh, but like I do my dishes after I eat now, as opposed to like letting them sit at all. But that's mostly out of fear of disease. Um, the toilet paper flap is always on the outside uh when I put it up. <laughs> that's a that's an inside joke between us. Um well, Jan, I don't, we don't need to get it to, we don't need to rehash that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's just
0: say I forgive you. Um,
1: yeah, yeah the, um, the, the 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 thing that happened was entirely only about toilet paper, not uh, anything indicative of who you are as a person and who See, i am we can't, e-
0: we can't even make it two minutes into a uh into a facetime without without it all exploding let alone living <laughs> in <Indian. No. laughs>
1: i was curious uh, wait,
0: uh, so you're in you're, 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 you're in taiwan right now
1: yeah i'm in taiwan it's 2 30 in the morning
0: Eleven thirty in the morning here. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even bend to stories like uh, to someone else's time. <laughs> it has to be part of the show. Also has to be that it's at a, between eleven and eleven thirty when I'm having my first cup of coffee because that's when I. That's when I'm hot. That's when I'm hot fire on the mic. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I but mean, you know, yeah. Stern Stern makes people get up at five thirty. Who does? Stern Howard Stern. Oh.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'd wake up. I'd wake up at 530 for Howard Stern. No one's waking. I always love when, like, I go on someone's podcast and they try to get, like, dirty details about me. I'm like, four people listen to this. Yeah, I get you're trying to be Howard Stern. And if you were Howard Stern, I'd give you the dirty details because I'd have already made it. But I'm not ruining my career for your shitty podcast. I don't want someone to ruin their career for my shitty podcast. (laughs) So you're so you're in Taiwan. There's no quarantine order or anything in Taiwan. No,
1: or they have. I don't know what you call it, but they have like the curve is pretty flat here. Really. Um,
0: what yeah, did you yeah, guys I mean, do to defeat
1: it? Uh, well, um, they got hit pretty hard with SARS. So basically they, so Taiwan is a democracy like the U.S. In Mm -hmm. fact, like Taiwan modeled its democracy off of the U.S. Mm -hmm. The only difference is they decided what would work is if they had universal health and like, you know, government sponsored higher education. So those things, when you add them to democracy, like really make a difference. (laughs) So yeah, their hospitals basically got like a huge sort of government. I wouldn't say like interference, but the government was like, okay, y- you got to have check-in stations now. You have to have sanitation stations. We're going to put up these little computers that can detect sort of if someone's got a fever right as they enter the door, and everybody there's every like there's like,
0: like infrared shit that like can tell your body temperature when you walk into a room. Yeah. Yeah, they that's originally
1: use it to find dissidents, but they decided to no. Um, <laughs> dissidents
0: have a higher have a higher body temperature. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so wait, no, now now pardon me for my ignorance. Taiwan is the country that China claims belongs to China, but has like resisted and managed to escape Chinese rule, or is that Thailand?
1: No, no, that's Taiwan.
0: Taiwan, okay, yeah. I am correct, I am correct. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: Ta- Taiwan is like, I how to describe Taiwan, yeah, like... Uh, is
0: there an air of anxiety about that in Taiwan, or is that like, uh, is that kind of like, you know, old news at this point?
1: I don't know, it, it depends, it, they just had an election where they re-elected the female president, and she just doing shit so
0: much better than us out
1: there i mean you know it's like that's one of the frustrating things i'm like so thankful i'm here right now Mm -hmm. because i i just had a a kid and i can't couldn't possibly imagine i mean we have friends who just had a kid and they're doing all right but at the same time like i would i wouldn't want to be in a hospital right now jenny and he
0: Jenny and Bila yeah. just had a child. Like, like literally yeah. the day the quarantine started. Uh, yeah. My friend Brian, who used to live in my back house, had had a kid. Um, the one of the people who lives in my back house is a flight attendant. It's uh it's just a wild, as a wild time.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, I, I like talking about kind of taiwan because it is the the idea that it's like well it's frustrating because if the u.s which is perfectly capable of doing the things that taiwan is doing did the things that taiwan is doing i could come home that's socialism
0: that's socialism
1: that's socialism
0: all right let's get let's get to more fun topics because people listen to this to escape to escape this nightmare world the the five people who listen to each episode my mom and four other people that listen to the listen to oh you hear that you hear that the guy's back he's like oh you started your podcast time to how much lawn is there to fucking mow at my house
1: i mean i can't hear it but god bless that brave individual for breaking quarantine to do i should go out and
0: cough a few times just to finish the podcast (laughs) Uh <laughs> but um well, but uh we'll see oh, that's guy. let's see, let's see yeah. little what what's what's uh what's your kid's name, David?
1: Dorothy. Dorothy, uh, let's
0: Dorothy. see Dorothy. I
1: mean Yeah, I mean I know I'm like genetically predisposed to think this, but I think I made like a baby Yoda.
0: <laughs> it lo- it looks like uh it looks like a little Buddha.
1: <laughs> yeah. She looks like a little Buddha. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh what you were saying earlier is I'm I'm sort of bending uh, or acquiescing to your time, but also she's the one that dictated that I'm up at two uh-huh. thirty-five in the morning. Thank you time. for
0: the solid, Dorothy.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, she'll 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 cry if we're not being funny enough. But I I I'm curious if do does anyone listen to you out of spite? I mean, is
0: anyone listening to me out of spite? What do you mean?
1: Yeah. Like, is there a fellow comedian with a podcast who you are warring with? And it's just like, I want to listen to Josh Edelman so that I can. I assume I, I assume
0: I yeah. assume they all hate me. My my general baseline assumption about most comics is they hate me. I like... I just want to be clear. I like everyone. It doesn't have to do with me hating anyone and then thinking people hate me, because I do. I like everyone, okay? No spite. Uh, but they... But those fucks out <laughs> there... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Dorothy. Those... SOBs they are uh, <laughs> they're the spiteful ones. Um yeah. I don't know. I who would listen to like 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 all we want in the world is um I just got liter- literally as I'm talking to you I got a um message that read it Taiwan finds man $33,000 for breaking quarantine rule. Uh yeah, so like if you're uh, if you're caught with the disease, you're saying wait, are you guys the ones that are using like the GPS tracking in people's phones that are that are uh I think I heard about this thing where like like you're you're like if someone's under quarantine you like keep keep tabs of them up by their phone
1: Well they definitely keep tabs on people basically a bunch of people have been returning from vacation trips. And they're all being tracked and monitored. Like, four people came back from Turkey and they all had coronavirus last week. So, but that's like a good thing that they know exactly how many people. Totally, totally,
0: totally. We have no idea. Like, the numbers here are totally out of control for sure because I know multiple people who are like basically positive they have it who can't get tested. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I I know multiple people that are like, I I have it. I have the symptoms. I've called, and they're like, just act like you have it.
1: Never the word positive had such a negative connotation because I can just imagine some LA person being like, I'm positive I have it. <laughs> And just the color draining from the person's face who has to hear that. Well,
0: like, I always say that like the moment it became real is the Tom Hanks moment. Like that's what I think is yeah. interesting. Everyone's always complaining about all these celebrities getting tested. I'm like, no, test the celebrities. That's what got us all <laughs> to like recognize that this is a reality too. Because if I was the first person, like obviously Tom Hanks wasn't even the first person, but like when the fur were like, hey guys. Somebody has it and we don't know where they got it. And everyone's like, all right, all right, all right. And then Tom Hanks is like, I got it. I know where I got it. And Everyone's like, panic. <laughs> Tom Hanks has it. They shut the NBA down. The Tom Hanks moment. So it's like, I also think that like with the celebrities finding out that they have it, especially when they're asymptomatic, it like helps add to the awareness that you might have it and be asymptomatic or that like anyone can get it and it's non-discriminatory. So I'm pro. I'm pro <laughs> that celebrities getting tested.
1: It's. I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, there's there's a there's a weird thing where where do you think you'll be like? Because I'm I'm kind of happy I found out Rand Paul has it. So do you think there's like? Are you <laughs> well, like? That's, gonna be
0: part of like, part of why I've been it. doing. Well, part of why I've been doing the podcast is to hopefully become a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And I get <laughs> about any of this i'm just on like i've been posting nudes i've been doing like everything i can to blow up enough to get a test because it's the only way it's the only way i've never been more motivated to be famous than right now where where it's the only way to get tested I mean, but no, then i you... have you you haven't been tested no um,
1: um yeah i don't i could get one (laughs) you could if you
0: wanted to like like you just could if you wanted to if you were just curious out there
1: yeah i hear they like
0: stick a thing up your nose and like poke your brain basically i mean they don't actually poke your brain
1: i could go to a celebrity party in la and go i could get a test (laughs) unlike that josh edelman he doesn't have enough Lends I wonder how many. Person. I wonder
0: how many crazy people are at like the hospital. Like I was hanging out with Idris Elba. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Idris Elba and me are sleeping together. Yeah. Give me my test.
1: <laughs> Can I cut you in line? Because me and Idris, we met at a function the other week, and just want to talk a little bit about it.
0: Yeah. How many? How many? Uh, like. Uh, How many, how many like psycho LA people think they have it because they think they know Idris Elba? A lot of them just (laughs) met a random black person. They're like, that was Idris. (laughs) Or been like,
1: I'm I'm sure I got it from Idris. I'm sure he he coughed at me while I was parking his car.
0: I wonder how many, how many like Hollywood nobodies found out they have coronavirus and are now claiming they got it from Idris. (laughs) Just to like just to like boost their uh, to boost their their status.
1: Yeah, or comparing and contrasting. That's
0: the new yeah, Hollywood got, thing. I, like...
1: Daniel Day Kim. I mean you got Idris, but Daniel Day Kim got it because he uh he hugged me. Um... after I told him I already had it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the I gave Idris coronavirus. <laughs> This is me, America. <laughs> uh, so, have you been watching movies?
1: Huh? Moment, have, breaking up for a minute. Okay. There we go. We, we don't have the we don't have the cinema that. Uh, well, I guess you guys don't have the cinema anymore either. But I don't know. Um, yeah, not, I I, I uh, I'm trying to. I've been working on my own movie, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I I do the thing where when I'm editing, I have something going on in the background that I can utterly ignore because it has no impact on my life. And uh, not to offend any Brooklyn '99 fans, but that is like the perfect show to just you know- pass over me. That I can be like, oh, I stopped paying attention for 15 minutes. And,
0: I'm going to uh, say, I'm going to say this about Brooklyn Nine-Nine because uh, two shows have had this effect on me: Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah. and How I Met Your Mother. And what yeah, both, what thing, both of them, thing, yeah. what both of them did this. This is what both of them did to me. Both of them were so inane, but like seemingly <laughs> clever and entertaining that I started just like having it on. And then, just at a certain point, it started giving me a splitting headache. Both shows eventually yeah. just started giving me a splitting headache, like nothing.
1: You, you watch too many in a row, and you you do actually say to yourself, "This is inane and terrible." Like you eat too much candy.
0: Yeah. And Then you yeah. go back
1: because, like, it, it, it's candy. It's great. It's, yeah. it, I can't- it at least avoids. It, it makes me cognizant of the nothingness that is around me because it itself is... Well, but anyway, it, no, no offense, they, they saved the show, so I guess some people really love it.
0: Yeah, like yeah, it I planned. mean, no that's the stuff that gets saved, the inane stuff. That's the stuff people love, not the art. Yeah. Um, I... Mean, I yeah. in, a, in a weird way, this quarantine's been good for me. Well, I mean, in a weird way, what's been nice about it is, you know, I spent the last year and a half so heavy into stand up that like mm-hmm. movies sort of like got pushed to the side for me. Like there was a period where I was watching movies like every night and I pretty much I've watched close to nothing over the past year and a half, which is weird for me. But now that the now that I'm stuck here, every night I I've tried to pick a movie that's like a classic or something that's supposed to be really good that I've never seen. And uh like, th- that I've always been meaning to get to that I just hadn't gotten to. And um, I've watched some pretty good movies. Uh, one of them was your recommendation from a while ago. Uh, but also <laughs> a movie a movie I just wanted to watch but just hadn't gotten around to. But I always yeah. I, I associate it with you because you pushed it hard. But... Um, like,
1: ten years ago, I pushed it. <laughs> it
0: feels more recent than that, but maybe that's when it was. Yeah. But, hey, I told you I would get to it.
1: Well... <laughs> That's the thing. I, I want your viewers to know that recommending anything to Josh Edelman is—it's uh, its like a coconut seed. It's going to take a while.
0: But I do, and you know, I also very much think about when you recommended Peter Farley's The Comedy Writer book. Loved yeah. it. Loved it. One of my favorite books I've read in recent years. Um, one of the only books I've read in recent years.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> You say that with a little bit of pride.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck books. Um, No, no. Actually, the funny thing is, when I started doing stand, you know, I I need like I need something to force activities on me. So I was like working a job in Santa Monica, and I hated driving, so I started taking the train, and I would read every day on the train. Um, And then when I got uh, let go of that job. When I got let go of my, my job, uh, I, of no fault of my own, I, <laughs> not that I was a bad employee, I uh, I stopped reading. But then when I started doing stand-up again, I had to, like, wait at all these mics and stuff, so I started bringing a book with me, started reading again, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I hate this, and I stopped. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you I, I, I
1: like, just... Uh... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, but now that I'm in quarantine, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick the next book I'm going to read. But it's got to be mm-hmm. something I love. You know, it's just weird. I start a lot of books and I just at just a certain point, I don't I don't love them. And I and I give up. I'm a book giver upper.
1: Can I, can I ask you about your job cuz it's like something I'm curious about in LA. What do you, um,
0: what I, what I do to make money? How I how I make a no, living? No,
1: well, I'm, I'm, curious about your attitude about work because I've, I've been privy to some of the the jobs you've had and i think like uh i'm curious whether you would take pride in how long it would take for you to get fired from a job like <laughs> I know you, and i lo- know you love filmmaking so i can imagine that you work a job because you hate it and part of what you part of what motivates you to do the job is to be like how long can i do it before i'm fired well,
0: I don't really get fired. So like um how long can so, I get away
1: with them thinking I'm worth employing?
0: <laughs> well, so it's funny, so I worked I worked for like uh 5 to 6 total years um between between being full-time and freelance at um at the post-production studio I worked at. Um and it was funny because I would always comply I was I was like a I was like an artist assist, so like like a step below a junior artist. And I never wanted to be an artist. In fact, I never wanted to be promoted out of the machine room, but uh, but or the vault. But you know, they promoted me, whatever reasons. Um, <laughs> They're better judgment. And basically, I always just did. It was like a combination of things that kept me there. One, I didn't yeah. mess up. I wasn't like a guy who messed up. I was just a guy who didn't go the extra mile, you know. Okay. So yeah. I'd, I'd always do it right, but I didn't like do the extras that people who were really motivated to like move up in the world there did. Um, two I'd
1: get tired after a while. What? That can get you fired after a while.
0: Well, I mean, after six or years, I'm
1: I'm not there anymore. Uh, yeah.
0: Number number two, the artist who was very good that they that that like like was vital to the company. He loved me like we just got along as friends. So I was in his room and like he hated the job but loved me. So like like I think on some level they kept me there in part to like just keep. The artist I worked with, happy on on a certain level, Is and the then
1: third, ping pong?
0: No, no, that's third. third. Third,
1: ping pong. The head of the
0: company loved ping pong, and I was undeniably the best ping pong player at the company. And he would often pull me out of work to play ping pong with him. And I knew that if I did nothing but beat him, he would get like. <laughs> You would get like like over it and just and give up. So what I would do is I wouldn't throw games. I never threw a match against him, but I would secretly handicap myself. So I would like I would like uh, be like, all right, I know he can't handle my backspin. But what if and I know his forehand's better than his backhand. So what if I try to beat him only hitting topspin to his forehand and every once in a while doing that? He'd take a game off me and feel real good about himself. Um, so between those three things, I kept the job for like, and I enjoyed playing the ping pong. I enjoyed the hand, like, like he was a fun person to play with. He was like a good yeah. sparring buddy, um, before the real UFC fights. Uh, but, um, but like, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to do a bad job. I just, yeah. But but like the other thing that was funny is like, here's the thing I noticed, you know, everyone like liked me there, you know, it was funny and fun and, and, uh, and super good looking and, and really intelligent and, uh, brilliant and all those things. But, um, so everyone liked, everyone liked me. Modestly. Everyone, everyone loved me. Everyone loved me. Um, but (laughs) no, but, uh, I was, like, friendly with everyone, but it was, like, weird. I had this moment where, like, after the job ended and a lot of people left the company. But, like, people were getting married inside the company. Like, like people that developed relationships, you know, inappropriate Me Too relationships there um, were, like, getting married. Uh, am, I, am I watching a diaper change right now?
1: Yeah, my baby actually kicked the camera to reverse the image to... I guess. <laughs> Anyway, here's here's my
0: point. Here's my point. Yeah, I was there for like five years and I knew Mm -hmm. everyone and I was friendly with them. But like then people started getting married after I had left and after other people had left. And Mm -hmm. I was seeing all the people that were very serious about the job at each other's weddings and I wasn't invited, but I wasn't hurt at all by not being invited. I felt very much like it totally makes sense that I wasn't invited. I wouldn't have invited me if I was them, but because it was like I never like fully let myself be part of the company, you know what I mean? I always had like one foot out of the door for like five years. So like I kind of always acted like I didn't belong there, and it's like now that like I'm very much in the stand-up world and and involved in film and like other things that are much more my passions, I'm developing much stronger bonds with people that I I, I super relate to.
1: Yeah, but that you know, you know, that doesn't so, fill your cup,
0: does it? <laughs> long story short, five years.
1: Yeah, five years playing the thing. huh?
0: I was a professional ping pong player for five years. I also did a little bit of artist assist work. <laughs> um, um but uh wait, but hold on. So so do you want to hear my quarantine my quarantine uh screening list so far? Seven days in, seven films. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've watched these are movies. These are these are classic films that I've somehow slipped through the cracks of me viewing them. Uh, the Natural, okay. I never I never seen The Natural before. Oh, really? I always I'd always seen the beginning of The Natural, and I'd always heard the Saw score, and I'd always seen that end shot where he smashes the baseball into like the the light, and it causes all the sparks. And I was like, this is a beautiful looking movie. I've always wanted to see it. Amazing! What an amazing! What an amazing film! Right. I
1: mean, Robert Redford, he he directs sometimes. It's pretty, pretty interesting.
0: No, Robert Redford didn't direct it. It was Barry, Barry Levinson, but also a weird movie for Barry Levinson to have directed because it's such a visual film. And like, I've never thought of Barry Levinson as a very visual director. But it's like it's very articulate and like precise, and, and there aren't wasted shots. And the cinematography is some of the most beautiful I've ever seen. And that score is just amazing. Um, so really good. It's
1: interesting. And you haven't seen it. I feel like that movie and Bull Durham are like two movies people act like they've seen when they haven't actually seen it.
0: I've seen Bull Durham. Two
1: bas- and I know, but I feel like that's the thing. It's like people are like, "Oh yeah, Bull Durham." I'm cognizant of so much of that movie, even though yeah. I haven't
0: seen it. There aren't that many bullfighting movies made, but that's one of the ones that—that's uh, <laughs> a good one that people should yeah. watch. My uh,
1: favorite character in that is Bull Durham.
0: Bull Durham. Know? Bull Durham.
1: I love him so much.
0: It's weird. It's like it's like it's like who came up with a talking bull? <laughs> So yeah, I mean, listen. People
1: who love them. (laughs) Stop
0: pretending you've seen Bull Durham if you haven't. Go check it out. It's an incredible film about bullfighting and the mistreatment of the animals. Um, And
1: uh, and dated the bull for 20 years after that. Huh? Susan Sarandon dated the bull after that movie for like 20 years. It's amazing.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, It's uh, it's really good. Uh, sweet um tootsie i hadn't seen tootsie somehow tootsie had slipped through the cracks for me on another podcast i talked about the it about so i kind of
1: when tootsie slips through the cracks uh
0: so good so good yeah. so good but i talked about that on an earlier podcast so i'll jump i'll jump to the next one excalibur excalibur oh, might have wow. been my favorite movie i've watched so far this uh this break okay. have you I seen excalibur
1: I, I do, and we were actually living together when I first saw it. And I remember I wanted to talk to you about it, and I think it was something I was like, "Well, I wanted you to see it just because I wanted to bring up this point, And now, after ten years, I can. You
0: can finally. I told yeah. you I would. I told you when I watch it, you can tell me. So go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love how you're holding on to points from ten years ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 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 what. Being in a friendship with you, Josh, is sometimes it takes time.
0: <laughs> it's a for commitment. To... It's a commitment, but it's worth it. I mean, it took uh... 10
1: years for me to learn how to clean. So
0: <laughs> it took a pandemic. Yeah. Uh... <laughs>
1: but uh, did you think it was weird that they got the actor who played Arthur to play him across all his ages? Because that was like the one weird thing I thought, and I still, it still is one of those things where it's like sometimes you see a movie. And even though it's not like the greatest movie ever, there's something that sticks with you about it. And I still think about that he was great at playing old Arthur, but he had to play young Arthur. Yeah, he was day. he
0: was weaker as young Arthur than he yeah. was as old. He's incredible as old Arthur. Incredible. It actually it actually while I was it's funny you say that actually, because while I was watching the movie, one of the things I was thinking was how I felt like my just dis- my only disappointment in it was that Merlin and Arthur weren't that great in it. But then by the end, I really thought Arthur was great in it. So I kind of forgot that I didn't like him that much yeah. in the beginning. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if I would have made it so that they cast someone else to play young Arthur. I didn't. I thought he still looked good in the role. Uh, his just acting yeah. was kind of strange early on. My well, own, learned- yeah. My only. Merlin, I don't even think that I'm against the Merlin. It's just such a weird portrayal of Merlin, but it's kind
1: of... You know the backstory of him and Helen Mirren, right? What? They were just warring on set. I think, like, uh, she and Liam Neeson had started dating after that movie, but the actor and Helen Mirren had, like, real bad blood between them and
0: well she yeah. won that one because that guy <laughs> hasn't been in anything else like that needed to be like alec guinness that was supposed to be like the alec guinness of the yeah. movie it would have been great if they had like managed to get alec guinness i wonder if they went after him but the thing that's so cool about the movie is it's so raw and gritty and experimental but also incredibly epic and big budget it's just yeah. like one of the wild it's like it's like, might be my favorite fantasy movie now. Just, just, and it's just like total batshitness. It's like, it comes the closest anything's ever come to what when I read uh, the King Arthur books was for me um, mm. when I was reading them. My only, the only thing I wished is, and they kind of do it a little bit, but it's sort of supposed to be from the beginning. One thing I always loved about the King Arthur books that no movie has done is that Lancelot is supposed to be really ugly. That's like one of the things about Lancelot in the book that makes him interesting, is that Guinevere falls for him because he's this great warrior who has such, you know, heart, but he's, but he's very, uh, <coughs> See, that's, that's a studio executive right there. Yeah. doesn't agree. <laughs> like a, like yeah. a classic studio. Yeah. No. no! Good this looking is a, Lancelot.
1: This is How the dare you? Up. Red Pit can never gain weight for a role because of, of her. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, in the books, too, like, uh, but what what I liked about the movie is it, like, which is really, those books are really dark. Almost all of the knights go insane on this quest for the Holy Grail because it is a metaphor for meaning in life. And, and like, they all go
0: insane in the movie. Like, it's the only yeah. movie. Like, I really wish there was, like, a four-hour cut of it. Cause like it does a really remarkable job. That's the other thing. It like really does a remarkable job at tying in all the symbolism of the film together. Like it's not just haphazard. There's actually like a progressive progression in the storyline that has meaning. It's like um it's like I mean, spoiler alert, you know, maybe skip over this part if you're if you're listening, but no one is and you want to watch the movie. But like He uses Excalibur and then he cheats to beat Lancelot with Excalibur and Excalibur breaks when he cheats to beat him. But then because he cheats to beat Lancelot, Lancelot joins his army, but then becomes the person who betrays him and throws everything into peril. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it's like his sin that seemingly leads to something better in the short term causes long term harm to him. Uh, And I I always thought that was very beautifully done
1: um yeah there's it's a kind of weird just i mean it starts with ghost rape or basically magic rape and also the
0: sins of all that and come back to haunt ma- everyone
1: too huh yeah, yeah no i mean uh, it starts with magic rape and ends with magic rape like arthur fathers a child with basically it's like half sister right yeah yeah, yeah
0: also in the book in the was, book yeah. she tricks him um, while Gwen yeah. in, the, in the movie, it's like this because in the, in, the, in the book, it's different. In the book, it's like totally a separate event. But I like how the movie made it like connected to when Guinevere was cheating on Arthur, that there was like this total buildup of the darkness and this intercutting montage. That's just awesome. Uh, yeah, no, so,
1: good movie. Highly recommend it.
0: Then, uh, then I watched LA Story. Never seen LA Story. Have you seen LA Story? Steve Martin movie?
1: Never Steve Martin's LA story. Wow.
0: I've always wanted to, but it like had never just been available to me. I'd always seen like clips of it when I was young. I'd always like pick it up in the middle and like like not know what was going on. So funny. Yeah. So the opening scene yeah, I mean, right from the right from the start the movie's just balls to the wall hilarious very inside baseball LA but so hilarious this it opens I just love that opening where he's like driving to work and instead of driving through traffic he's just driving through people's backyards and down staircases and everyone's waving at him like he does this every day just yeah. just it's hilarious like
1: slap Your quote. it's very just
0: I yeah. mean, it definitely all these movies I've watched have made me very sad for the state of movies today because you don't really get slapstick that that's that's that intelligent right now. And I feel like L.A. Story, my assumption is that it was kind of a bomb. I don't know. I should look this up to find out for sure. But I feel like I feel like it it felt like in like a glorious misfire for the studios because it was a big mm. budget movie, too. They really put, sunk a lot yeah. into it. And nobody takes that kind of risk on comedies anymore. And especially like the closest thing we get is David Wayne, but David Wayne has to do it on such a shoestring budget. Um, And, and maybe goes perhaps a bit, a bit even pushes the silliness even a little bit further than Steve Martin. Hard to say whether to like good or bad results. Cause there is like also a somewhat sincere through line you LA story that David Wayne movies miss, but I also kind of appreciate that David Wayne movies are just pure silliness with nothing like to try and rope you into, to any sort of sincerity other than movies like role models, which is also great. Um,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. David Wayne, definitely. Cause he's also, I think very focused on being a director. So he's kind of concerned also with branching out into that, like, uh, Feudal and Stupid Gesture had just some amazing sort of like transition oh, yeah, yeah. scenes and 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 things that were very sort of cinematic. Oh, really then, good. Yeah, I really like
0: that one. Yeah. I forgot about that.
1: And then I feel like with the Wet Hot series and, and everything else, he was kind of like, OK, I want to incorporate action into this now. And so I'm going to like I
0: really didn't like be, the like, Wet Hot series. Got to be or, honest. Or, what? Really didn't like the Wet Hot series. Got to be completely honest. Love the movie. Love the movie. One of my favorites ever. Series yeah. couldn't didn't. didn't it, it, I almost feel like what I was just complaining about is where the series failed. It's like it's like attempt to add in some sincerity. See, yeah, she didn't like it either. Um, yeah. She agrees. Um, and
1: then yeah, she uh, then happy, very slow moving.
0: Then the Last Seduction. Have you ever seen the Last Seduction?
1: No, no, you just recommended it. I, I mean, I knew nothing about it, so I didn't know it was like a 1990s movie with Linda Fiorentino and like for, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Or is it Forrest no, Whitaker? No, no, no no, no, no,
0: no, 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 don't be. <laughs> uh, no, it's not Forrest Whitaker. Um, it's built uh, basically Linda Fiorentino, Bill Pullman, and, um, and what's his face? The director that makes all those Mark Wahlberg movies. Peter Berg. Oh, okay. Peter Berg plays like the it's you know, it's very much like kind of a double indemnity sort of remake type movie. Um uh Also, also I mean it's different. But also super dark, but like has this very fun playful energy to it. You ever see Red Rock West? No. Also great, I, I, that's not a movie I've watched now, but this director also made that Nicolas Cage Dennis Hopper noir. Uh, he, like, makes a lot of neo-noirs. He also did Rounders. Um, okay. So, yeah. Really like The Last Seduction. I want to spoil it, but it has cool, like, twists and shit. Um, then, Last Detail. That's the one. That's the Finally, we're at the one you recommended to me 10 years, and that I quickly, swiftly got to. Um, yeah? He just like completes, I think, the foursome of Hal Ashby's like four best movies. His I mean, top four. I, although I. To... Huh?
1: I mean, go go ahead and make your point. I'll, I'll make my Hal Ashby point.
0: Just like. You. Yeah. Such like, uh, such a beautiful <laughs> style that, like, like was, uh, you know, uh, Between Harold and Maude, Shampoo, The Last Detail, and being there, just such like such a perfect mixed blend of comedy and drama. Like like, is there how many filmmakers quite capture the seventies like him? Um, And and just like, I just love the uniformity of the look of all those movies. It's very simple. But they have their own universe. And it it almost feels like, like um if you took Wes Anderson and and cut him down to his bare bones stylistically. Like if you didn't if he wasn't like obsessive obsessed with every single detail and more like Put everyone in sailors' uniforms. I, what I loved about the last detail too is it kind of feels like one of those old Sinatra movies, like like on the town, on the town, going out on the town. <laughs> but um, but like with this darker '70s, Viet post Vietnam, corporate like cruel Nixonian America undertone to it. Um. It just like takes, it It kind of feels like it's almost a commentary on Hollywood, like perception, but, but not like, a but not, but not, it's not cynical. You know, it's like, it's, it's like very loving and caring and shows like compassion between humans, uh, you know, pitted against each other in an unfortunate way. And what a great performance from Randy Quaid.
1: I, I agree. I mean, yeah. I don't know. When I first saw it too, it was like I was doing the whole Hal Ashby thing all together. I mean, I'd seen Harold and Maude in college, but I hadn't done being there and and uh, what we I want about we watched direction... Shampoo together. Yeah, yeah, Shampoo. I own yeah. So, um, but what I like really appreciated about hal Ashby and I uh, really noticed in the last detail is like uh, he has this way of directing where he's his camera basically starts static and then it moves and then it stops static and it's so amazingly simple thing it's almost like a sentence it's almost just like period sentence period and it was just I don't know I don't I, don't, I mean that sounds so simple but it's so hard to make something as like interesting as he did and I don't it's... know he's just a bit we've we both read uh,
0: uh, Easy Riders' Raging Bulls."
1: so we all know just how much of like a cool, easy hippie he was who took like six months to edit something, but it's still, I think, amazing that he just made these like kind of at their heart, pretty simple movies
0: yeah it yeah. is amazing that he took six months to make movies that have like a total of forty two shots uh, <laughs> um yeah no it it is almost like like a little bit similar to like uh Woody Allen's style in that it's like lots of single take long holds, but like very like beautifully framed, but again not like not like in your face beautifully framed. Not like showing off, but just... just Like, the images are comforting, you know? They just make you feel good looking at them. But don't don't distract you from the story. And he really lets the story breathe. Uh, really, yeah. So, recommend that. And then last night, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Never seen McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Oh, wow. Awesome. Awesome. One of the most gorgeously shot movies ever. That whole shootout sequence at the end is just... Amazing and what a great villain! How good is that? How great is that villain in the movie? Uh, I actually don't think
1: I've that's the one I haven't seen yet though. McCabe and Mrs. uh, I gotta check that one out. Oh, uh, and um, it's what's her face and Julie, what's her face, right?
0: Julie Christie and Warren Beatty. Um, well. What's super cool about the movie? It's so funny. Well, when you see it, you'll 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 have this. Hey, Penwin, uh, hey. am I keeping you, Am I keeping her up?
1: No, no, no. I I think she's gonna take over. Oh, nice. Cause, cause uh, this is what happens when you have a baby. If it doesn't want to go to sleep, then.
0: <laughs> <You switch laughs> and that is why I haven't had a baby. Um, <laughs> uh. But um. She gonna come to steal the baby from you?
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tap out. It's a uh, fourth quarter. Uh, cagey, relax.
0: Well, I'll I'll leave you I'll leave you on the, on this note because we're getting to the wrap up point of the podcast. Um, okay. When when you do watch McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which I highly recommend you do soon, soon, the villain in the film, or like. It, when i first saw him i thought it was robert altman because he's dressed just like like you'd see robert altman dressed in things he's wearing like this huge fur coat and this like cowboy hat and he's this big guy and it's like i think i feel like i've seen photos of robert altman in that outfit and it's just it's 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 hilarious but it's um gorgeous movie beautifully acted uh, you know hi- like historically there, a lot of like Barry Lyndon were like like a lot of like candlelit sequences that reminded me of like Barry Lyndon uh, kind of a slow burn um, but very much of the 70s and it's just like I just miss the way movies are but but uh, I'll say this all the movies I've watched the number one thing I've noticed that's affected me the most about all of them is you know human beings coming into contact with each other and touching and it just it makes me so sad every time I see it. I just, I want it back so badly. I'm one week in, and, and I'm going, I'm losing my, I'm just, every time, like, you know, I don't even, I get emotional every time two characters shake hands. That's, that's <laughs> where I'm at. That's where I'm at in this quarantine. I'm like, I'm like a, a touching film, and by that I mean there was a lot of touching between characters, which was bold. It was daring. You know, you don't see that in films today. Uh, the films being shot today, no touching, but they weren't afraid to touch in the old days. In the old days, characters weren't afraid to touch each other. No more in cinema. <laughs> That's you, what we're going to talk about in the
1: future. Right? Uh, yeah. That, that famous scene where he's watching all the spliced kisses together. It's like that, but it's just people.
0: But it's just like pats on like the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, dude, uh, on that note. I'll let you go. Um, thanks for doing this. Uh, I'm glad you stayed up. Um, I'm glad your child. Your child heard about quarantine and was like, <laughs> "I want my dad on that show." Anything you want to promote, real quick, before I let you go. Uh, I promise oh. you, no one's going to hear this, but um, but uh, but but give. In case someone does, when this blows up, and I'm able to get uh, a test for the disease, and then I quit doing this. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, anything you want? I to do from... want
1: to record this for posterity because I don't think anyone will believe me when I start really promoting it next month. So, I left New York in December, and I just wrapped shooting a science fiction film about a future where the Earth is uninhabitable and humanity <laughs> relegates themselves to a station where they wait for the Earth to heal itself so they can live. Damn. In it.
0: Damn, you just you just made this prior to all I this just, going down. You just
1: made this. And Wild. it's about it's a it's a noir. It's about how one of the one of the a detective is woken up by the AI because um someone is compromising the uh the the station. Someone is like put the station in in a shutdown mode because It's wrapped. Not.
0: This film is wrapped.
1: It's it's um next month it'll be released on mobile phone app because it'll be we
0: ah, well check this movie out
1: yeah it's called Zenith Zero you can go to the website now uh Zenith Z E N I T H Zero the number zero dot com
0: I'm going is there a trailer
1: uh there will be a trailer next week
0: okay well if you have an early trailer that you wanna uh. Yeah, you know, private send it to you And
1: you can uh, you can put it on the uh, put it in the comments below. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I'll share this. That sounds that that sounds, man. Wh- what fucking timing on that? Um, David Story, my good friend, my former oh, roommate.
1: Settleman.
0: I miss you. I wish I could, you know, hold your hand and 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 feel the warm blood of another human. Thanks for doing <laughs> the podcast. Uh, and I'll see you all tomorrow on another episode no, of Quarantine.
1: No, no, stay safe out there. Um, you know, hopefully this is uh, not just something we're recording for the aliens who discover our yeah. Corona 20 bodies everywhere.
0: Like, like, subscribe, email yeah. me. Yeah. Time Smash podcast. Like, subscribe, email me at quarantinepodcast.com. dot com. If you have any questions at Gmail dot com. Uh, if you have any questions, want, want me to talk about anything, I don't know. Who cares? We're all going to die.